Let's pray. Father, I know. I know that you're with us in every moment of our life. In the times of victory, God, you're celebrating with us and rejoicing over us. The Bible even says when we sleep, you watch us, caring and loving us while we sleep. If we're in a moment of tears and crying, Lord, you treasure every tear that's shed. And Lord, if there's a time we're in a struggle, we're in the pit, and we need help getting out, you join us there and help us until we finally come to that place where you lift us out. So I pray, oh Lord, we'd see that today as we look at another aspect of what it means to have your presence with us as we study the book of James. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, John and John showed you last week that John got into a pit. Right now, let's see what happens as it continues on. John is still in the pit without a girlfriend. John Allen has a fiancé now. You probably didn't know that because you're still in the pit. I'm hearing voices. John, are you still okay? John, John, I'm hearing voices again. It's probably God, John. No, no, it's definitely not God. This one's mean. Do you even know God's voice? Yeah, I know God's voice. We haven't talked in months, you know? More like one year. His mailbox is full. John, God is never too busy for you. Maybe it's your mailbox that's full. Maybe he can't talk to me because I'm all the way down here. You know, my phone's, it's not dead. I just have T-Mobile. No pit coverage. Tune in next week to see if John gets out of the pit. I doubt it. Man, I love those guys. Those guys are so fun. But uh, I want to have you think about this. When you think about God, do you think that God is someone who loves you so much as a caring father who wants to bless you again and again and again? I, I hope so. But I want to tell you, a lot of people who are even Christians struggle with that. We're in the midst of the 40-day fast where we fast from something. But remember the second thing we say? We fast what? For, For something. And uh, not that I just, I want to dialogue with you about this. I bump into a lot of people who struggle with the for something because they, they just don't see God as wanting to bless them. They don't see God as wanting to bring great gifts into their life. And in James, we're not going to get there right now, but we're going to see in James, it says that every good and perfect gift comes from who? From God. He's the giver of good gifts, of perfect gifts, of wonderful gifts. Why? Because he loves you. Uh, we didn't get to be with our grandkids at uh, Christmas time, uh, but Pam and I did something, and I know some of you don't like this, but hey, it's our life. You don't get to say. Uh, we left our Christmas trees up because our grandkids are coming. And guess what we have under the tree? Presents. Uh, yeah, so they're going to walk in the house and go, whoa, and they're going to, who are those for? And they're for them. You know why? Because we love them and care about them and want to bless them. That's the picture God wants you to have of how he loves you. He's one who's preparing good and perfect gifts for you. When God's hand goes up, I don't want you ducking and thinking, is he going to cream me? Is he going to hit me? And yet a lot of people 
They struggle with this idea of God wanting to give things to you. So when you pray and fast for something, it's from to a God who loves you and cares about you as the Abba Father. And he doesn't want you to, to see him as abusive. He doesn't want you to see him as one who wants to curse you. God doesn't want to do that. As a matter of fact, Jesus moved heaven and earth so you could experience his love. So when bad things happen, when life gets hard, where's God in those moments? We uh, called it when you're in the pit. When you're in the pit, where is God? Well, we need to understand that God most likely didn't put you there. Uh, his reality is probably one of two things happened that caused you to be in that moment where you're in the pit. One is you caught yourself in the pit. Uh, that's the more normal one. Uh, you know, we made choices that got us there. Um, I'm not trying to be callous or insensitive. But uh, one time I was talking to a man who said he was an atheist and, and we were in the midst of more than one conversation and, and a couple of conversations in, he looked at me and said, did you see what happened in Oklahoma? And, and I said, I did. He said, a tornado hit a town and a little baby died. Where was God? How could God do that? And I said, look, I don't want to be insensitive, but that place you're talking about is called Tornado Alley. And if you build a house in Tornado Alley, what do you think is going to occur? By the way, I want to say this, not to be mean. Whose fault is it when those houses get struck if we build our houses in Tornado Alley? If you build your house on the San Andreas Fault, which we all did, <laughs> And an earthquake hits. By the way, we all know it's coming, don't we? Is it God's fault the earthquake's coming? No. We knew that ahead of time. And you know what? So often we're the ones who do it. Uh, uh, too often. I talked to somebody who said, my marriage is falling apart and, and I need help. And I'm like, I'll want to do anything I can to help you. And they'll say, yeah, I, I, I just don't know why it's gone so bad. And I'm like, well, stop. I know why it's gone so bad. It's you. Your wife has told you over and over, change, change, change. And you wouldn't change. Now that she's leaving you, you're saying you're going to change. Has anybody been around somebody like that? And you know, after time and time and time of having opportunity to shift out of that particular lifestyle and, and pattern of habitual uh, abuse, now they're ready. Well, you know what? Sometimes they, God will redeem that with you. God somehow can turn your life back for good. But we need to know that it's not God's fault. Uh, I was talking with a guy one time, and uh, he was single. And he was describing to me how he's living kind of his own reality show, you know, uh, that's out there. His version of The Bachelor, except he didn't have a rose. Um, and, and, and the reason it was such a mess is he was dating somebody that everybody told him wasn't good for him. So a lot of times we're the ones who cause it. Now, other times we're not the one who causes it. There are people right now who've lost their job and they didn't do anything wrong. It's the pandemic. There are people right now who are struggling with health issues. They didn't do anything wrong. It happened. I remember talking with a man not that long ago who was diagnosed with lung cancer. He's never smoked a day in his life. He didn't do it. Um, you know what? So often, 
life just is hard. Life can be difficult. And so what James says to you, what James says to me is this, whenever you're in the midst of a moment like that, I want you to remember two things. One, God is the giver of good gifts. And two, God doesn't tempt you. So remember that God is the giver of good gifts and God is never going to tempt you. And in James chapter one, verse 13, it says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God for God cannot be tempted by evil and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. And then when lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. So James said, I want you to remember, God is not tempting you. God would never tempt you. Look at again at verse 13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil. He himself does not tempt anyone. So God, God will never tempt you. Now, God will allow you to go through trials and God may even test you. By the way, he does that for your own good. Uh, so you need to know that God would do that. So you might right now be saying, well, Chuck, then what's the difference between a trial or a test and a temptation? And I actually want to show you. I want you to see it so, so you understand the difference. A trial or a test is God's tool for perfection. A temptation is Satan's tool for condemnation. A trial or a test doesn't necessarily involve sin, but temptation always involves sin. Uh, a trial or a test doesn't usually offer immediate pleasure, but temptation almost always offers immediate pleasure. And so that's what you need to know is there, there is times that God wants to test you to make you stronger. He may allow you to go through a trial and you should consider it a joy knowing the benefit that's coming is that you'll be better. But temptation, temptation, is always about some form of, and you're going to see this in a moment, of death. Always some form of death. The death of innocence, the death of a dream, the death of an opportunity, the death of a relationship. So what are the facts that James wants you and I to know about temptation? Uh, number one, temptation's inevitable. Temptation is inevitable. And that's why it says, let no one say when he is tempted. It's not a question of if you're going to be tempted. You and I will be tempted to be uh, lazy. We'll be tempted to be selfish. We'll be tempted to lie. We'll be tempted to lust. You'll be tempted to hold a grudge. You'll be tempted to gossip. And more, even Jesus was tempted. In Hebrews 4 verse 15, it says this, for we do not have a high priest, meaning Jesus, who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. So whenever temptation comes, you don't have to sin. Jesus never sinned, but everybody's going to be tempted. So that's something you know. Number two, temptation is not from God. I know I'm reiterating that, but I just want to make sure you don't miss it. Many people blame God. They blame God for the temptation. By the way, in the Bible, Adam blamed God for the temptation. When God said to Adam, did you eat of the tree of the garden? He said, the woman you gave me. Wow. It was her fault. 
You know what? Uh, a lot of times uh, people try to blame others or blame God, and, and God doesn't want you to do that. Uh, God wants you to be aware he would never tempt you. And, and by the way, you and I need to own that and be aware of it. The single guy I was telling you about who was living in the reality show that it turned into a nightmare because of who he was dating. And I'm talking to him, and he looks at me and says, well, if God didn't want me to be with her, why did he bring her into my life? And I'm like, dude, everybody knows God didn't bring her into your life. We all knew that before it ever started. But you know what? He, he wanted to blame God for the mess he was in. And God is saying, I didn't do it. And so you and I need to know that God would never do that. God would never be a part of bringing darkness into your light. 1 John 1, 5 says, this is the message we heard from him and announced to you that God is light and in him there's no darkness at all. So God is light. He's never going to bring you in darkness. He's never going to put dark things in your life. He only will bring good. So God doesn't tempt you, but God is the giver of good gifts. What else do we know about temptation from James? Number three, temptation is unique to each individual. It says in James 1 verse 14, but each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. So there are things that tempt me that won't tempt you. There are things that tempt you that won't tempt me. And so what you need to be aware of is what is your individual temptation that you're most vulnerable to? Um, sometimes we, we ask people to be aware uh, uh, using the acronym HALT of when you might be vulnerable to temptation. Whenever you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, you're more likely to mess up. Uh, uh, some of you, though, it's one of those four or two of those four are you're more susceptible to. Uh, when you're hungry, some of you are really hard to be around when you're hungry, right? Yeah, and you know what? It might be you're hungry for something even other than food, but you find yourself just on edge because you don't have it, and so you're more likely to give in to temptation. It could be when you're angry, you're more likely to give in to temptation. Uh, we're going to talk about anger in a, a week or two, and, and I'm aware of how detrimental anger is in so many people's lives. When you're lonely, you might be more likely to do it. By the way, that's why I get very concerned for people who travel alone. Uh, and I know that many of you have to do that for business, but I want to tell you time and time again, that's, that's a place where people get in trouble uh, when they're traveling and they're alone. And, and in that lonely moment, you may give in to something that God doesn't want you to do. Or when you're tired, when you're tired, how many parents have said things to their kids that they wish they hadn't said, but they were just so tired, they, they were done. Yeah, point at somebody. No, not really. <laughs> By the way, uh, beyond the halt, there's another time you need to be very careful. Get ready for this one. In a moment of great victory. In a moment while all of a sudden everything happens the way you want it to. I cannot tell you, sadly, how many of my friends who are pastors, it was in that moment of the greatest victory where they fell. They, they weren't watching. They weren't keeping their guards up. You know, they set the new attendance record. They finally opened the building. Oh, wait, we're doing that. Um, they, 
They saw the greatest number of baptisms. They got asked to speak at the biggest conference and they let the guard down. Uh, and we see that over and over again. And, and uh, you know what? God doesn't want you to, to, to do that, obviously. It's interesting that Jesus brought Peter, James, and John onto the Mount of Transfiguration. They saw Jesus in all his glory. They heard God the Father speak. They're coming down from a, an incredible moment of great victory. And you know what was waiting for him at the bottom of the hill? A demon. A demon. And so I want to warn you that even in that moment when you get that job promotion, in that moment where you get your new house, in that moment where you close the biggest deal ever, or all of a sudden things go your way, be careful. Because temptation's waiting in those moments on the other side. Uh, the fourth thing James wants you and I to know is that temptation has consequences. And if not dealt with properly, it'll be a devastating consequence. So, so temptation has consequences if not dealt with properly. In James 1.15, it says, Then when lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. There's, again, the death of something. It could be the death of your relationship with God. It could be the death of a relationship with someone else. It could be uh, the death, again, of a great opportunity that could come your way when you give in to that temptation. And God doesn't want you to do it. So what do we need to do? Well, I want to give you some how to battle temptation things. Things you can do so you don't give in to temptation. So you don't find yourself uh, in that moment of death. And number one, don't give in, seek God. That's the first thing. Resolve ahead of time not to give in. Resolve ahead of time not to give in. Uh, you heard about the guy who was uh, really struggling with eating correctly. And so what happened is he comes walking in uh, to his house and he's carrying two dozen donuts from Krispy Kreme. And his wife's like, what are you doing? You can't have those on your diet. He said, well, you know what? I, I just couldn't help myself. And she goes, what do you mean you couldn't help yourself? He said, well, you know, I, I just, you know, I, I, I just was driving by. She goes, driving by? You had to drive all the way to Ontario. <laughs> and he said, yeah, and I had to circle three times to find a parking place. You know, um, you know what you need to do is stay away. You got to stay away. And uh, Romans 6.12 says, do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Be, stay away from it. Stay away from it. 2 Timothy 2.22 says, Now flee from youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who, love, uh, those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. So what you need to do is flee from it. Stay away from it. The Bible never says uh, that you and I are to resist temptation. The Bible says you're to flee from temptation. Run from it. So if overeating is a problem, don't go to a donut store. Uh, if lust is a problem, be careful what you're watching on Netflix or, or on uh, some other internet site or website. And, and you know what? Maybe, maybe just don't even have it at all. Shut it down completely. Uh, if you find yourself coveting, don't go on social media and, and start scrolling like crazy. Uh, if you have a problem with debt, I got to say this. Stay off Amazon. You know why? Because it's just too easy to click. Anybody else agree with that, how easy it is to click? Uh, 
I'm going to self-report. The other day, we got some packages, and Pam goes, why'd you buy those? And I actually go, I have no idea. It was just right there and clicked and got it. And uh, you know what? We need to be very, very careful. Um, uh, Wayne Cordero uh, is a pastor in Hawaii who I just admire. And he shared something one time. He said he was getting up in the morning and he was putting on a particular shirt. And he's standing there looking in the mirror, realizing he put on the shirt because a very attractive woman he worked with told him he looked good in it. And he stood there looking at it going, "Uh uh-oh, this is already too far. And you know what he did? He threw the shirt away. And he said, I got to be careful. I got to be careful. You know what? It, It was wise. It was wise for him to say, I will not allow that to even be the next step. I'm not going to allow myself to find joy in that. And maybe nothing would have happened. Maybe she never would have. But he was wise enough to know even the thought itself was dangerous. So he fled the temptation. Uh, So number one, uh, we need to understand we don't give in and we need to seek God. So make the decision ahead of time. Number two, visualize the consequences. Visualize the consequences. That's a great way to take away the passing pleasure. In Galatians 6, 7, it says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, he will also reap. So you and I, if we will visualize what's going to happen when we give in, then in that moment, uh, we have something that would cause us to have the desire to flee and get away from it. Uh, And so we need to do that. We need to make that decision. You know, if you would visualize the consequence of what it would be like to face your constituents for going to Cancun while they're freezing in Texas. (laughs) Do you think he might not have got on the plane? And uh, you know what? Too often people don't think that through. Uh, I one time was visiting a friend and I walked into their kitchen to get uh, uh, another cup of coffee and really big on the refrigerator was the picture of this person, uh, very, very overweight in the most unflattering uh, uh, um, dress you could imagine. And I went, whoa, like, why do you have that on there? And they said, because I got to stay away from the fridge. (laughs) And I look at that picture and say, if you open that fridge, that's how you're going to look. I uh, was talking to a young college girl and she said, I, I just got to be honest, my boyfriend and I are struggling, uh, you know, wanting to not go further than we should. And I said, you know what? Do this. Every time you guys begin to go out anywhere, just look at him and say, hey, before we go anywhere, let's say these words, mom, I'm pregnant. Mom, and she goes, whoa. I said, that'll kill the romance. <laughs> Visualize the consequence. Number three, use the sword of the word. Use God's word, which means you have to memorize God's word. But you know, it's so interesting. When Jesus was facing Satan and Satan came to tempt him, what did Jesus do? Every time Satan tempted him, he quoted scripture. He quoted scripture. He quoted scripture. You and I need to learn from Jesus how we do that. And we need to be able to quote scripture and be able to say, you know what? Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds in the mouth of God. And so we would be able to battle those temptations too and just start quoting scripture every time the temptation comes. 
One of my favorite scriptures to quote is number 30, uh, Numbers 32, 23. And it says this, be sure your sin will find you out. Be sure your sin will find you out. Uh, I love to quote that verse. You know why? Far too often, many of us think no one's gonna know when we commit the sin. And, but you know what I wanna tell you? God is a loving father who will do a miracle to make sure people know about that sin. He will shine a light on it. He will make sure people know. And so you need to understand that God, God's not gonna let it be hidden. But, but start quoting verses. Uh, be ye not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, he reaps. You know, quote that verse and make sure that you're using the sword of the word. And then number four, meditate on scripture. Not only memorize it, meditate on it. Psalm 119.11 says, your word I have treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. And then James 1.21. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all the remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your soul. You see, one of the reasons you want to memorize scripture is so you can meditate on it. And one reason you want to meditate on it is then you'll find the strength not to give in to the temptation. Whatever you feed, whatever you feed in your nature is going to be the strongest. And God wants you to do that. God wants you to, to tune into that. So whenever you are in the midst of the pit, remember that God will never tempt you. Whenever you're in the midst of temptation, remember that didn't come from God. But remember something else. God is the giver of every good and perfect gift. It says in James 1 verse 16, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. In the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth so that we would be a kind of first fruits among his creatures. Every good gift given, every good thing given, and every perfect gift is from above. God is the giver of amazing gifts, of wonderful gifts, of good things into your life. And I hope that you could step back and say, God, you blessed me with this. You blessed me with that. Uh, one of the, the blessings in my life I talk about all the time is my wife, Pam. The Bible says that, that a wife is a gift from God which I think is so incredible. And in my case, I know that God gave me an amazing wife in Pam. By the way, I also think it's so interesting. Nowhere in the Bible does it say a husband is a gift from God. I think that we are the crosses that women have to bear. Rob Palenka, who is the general manager for the Los Angeles Lakers, is a very on-fire Christian. And he says that one of the things he believes is that God is the God who gives what he calls unexpected graces. The word grace actually is a Greek word, charis, which means gift. And he says all in his life, all throughout his life, God is always giving grace after grace after grace. And he sits and journals about that and writes down the graces that God blesses him with, so many of which were unexpected. And it was about this time last year that uh, he was praying and about his daughter. Uh, and he said, Lord, I, I just feel like I'm not connecting with her. I feel like we're not as close as I want us to be. He goes, 
Lord, I, my, I, my son I could connect with. We play basketball together and we share that. She's more artistic. She's not into sports. And, and I love connecting with my son, but I want to connect with my daughter. And he began to journal that and pray that and ask for that. And then COVID hit. And uh, they had to go into the bubble. Remember last year, they went into the bubble and they couldn't see anybody. He couldn't see his wife, couldn't see his kids physically. He could only do it on FaceTime. And what happened is during that whole time, he, he missed his family and missed his family. And of course, the Lakers continued to win and eventually won the world championship. And right after they won the world championship, the Laker organization uh, flew everybody's family into Orlando when they could exit the bubble and they were all going to meet at a particular restaurant. And he said that when the bus pulled up, all he could think about was getting to that restaurant to see his family. And he said, honestly, he goes, I couldn't walk fast enough. So he actually started kind of a run towards the restaurant, wanting to get there to see his family. And all of a sudden, the restaurant door opens and his little girl is running towards him. He said it was like a scene in a movie. She's running and she's crying and she's yelling, dad, dad, dad. And she leaped up into his arms and he held her. And she said, dad, I don't want to live another day without you. And he said, the first thought he had is, Lord, you answered my prayer. I've never been this connected to her. I've never felt this close. God, you just gave me an unexpected grace. In that moment, he knew it was from God. And God does that. There are people in your life that are a gift from God. There are things in your life, maybe a house or, or even your car or something that's a gift from God. There's a job some of you have that are a gift from God. God is the giver of good gifts. God gave you a spiritual gift that's his gift to you. And whenever you use your spiritual gift, what does it do? It gives you joy like you can't imagine. And uh, that's one way you know you're using your gift is when you get so much joy from it. And uh, God is the giver of only good and perfect gifts. And I hope that you would say, Lord, I want to focus on your gifts and I want to flee from temptation." because that's what I want to do. Um, I know not everyone agrees with me, but let me tell you, I believe that our church Crossroads is a better church today than we've ever been before. And it happened during this last year. I think God gave us just an amazing gift. So God is the giver of good and perfect gifts. God is the one who blesses you more than you can imagine. And some right now, some of you need to open up to God's love, God's grace, and God's presence in a meaningful way. James is the one who says in James 4.8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So God wants you to open up to him and draw near to him. And here's what I want to tell you. You're as close to God right this moment as you want to be. You're as close to God as you want to be, but you're not as close as he wants you to be because God wants you closer. God wants to have a relationship with you that's vital and alive and real. 
And if you've messed up, if you've given into temptation, you know what God wants you to know? That God wants to bring cleansing into your life, that God wants to bring a resurrection into your life wherever that death occurred, that God wants to, to show you life like you can't imagine. So whether you're online or here on campus, right this moment, if you're not close to God, you're not experiencing his love, you're not living with him giving you good gift after good gift, I'm going to invite you to say yes to God. You can uh, say yes to God and come back to him. Some of you need to come back to the Lord. He would never turn you away. The minute you take a step to God, the minute you pray that prayer, he's right there with you. So maybe you messed up. Maybe you gave in. Maybe right now you're being enslaved by whatever that temptation was. God loves you and wants you close. Maybe you need to come to God for the very first time. You've never entered that relationship that was real. You haven't experienced the unexpected graces he has for you. Right now, right now, if you're ready to open up to God, he loves you. If you'll just pray that prayer, say yes to him. So right now I'm gonna lead a prayer where you can say yes to God either the first time or to recommit. Maybe, By the way, maybe you wanna pray that with somebody else. Maybe you need to pray it for your marriage, pray it for your family, pray it as friends. But I'm gonna ask you to pray a prayer either here on campus or online with me where you say yes to the Lord and open your heart to him. And God, God loves you. God wants you. So right now, if you're ready to say yes to God, I'm going to ask you to pray that prayer. Then after we pray the prayer, the Bible's clear that you need to do something about it. You need to take a next step to make it real, to cement it in, to make it more vital. And so if you pray this prayer with me, and I'm hoping many of you do, then I'm going to ask you right after you pray the prayer to make it known. Uh, if you're watching online, I want you to go to crossroadschurch.family and you can click I said yes to Jesus. And, and we want to interact with you. And we're going to ask you, don't stay anonymous. Don't stay hidden. Let us know who you are so that we can, we can connect with you and help you connect even deeper with God. If you're on campus, what I'm going to ask you to do is if you pray this prayer, we're going to stand and sing right after we pray. And I'm going to ask you to make your way forward. Just go ahead and walk down here and let us greet you. You don't have to come alone. You could have someone come with you. But no matter what, say yes to the Lord. And then walk forward. Let us greet you. And we're going to have you go right over here. And we're going to give you a Bible. Right now, this is your time. If you're ready to say yes. Let's actually say yes by praying. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I pray right now for anybody who's either online or on campus that God, if this is their time, this is their moment, that they would open their heart to you. I pray for anybody who's been giving in to the temptation that's caused sin to be too real in their life. And God, they are, they're facing a death, a death of something. And yet, Lord, you're the one who brings resurrection. You can bring life back. You can show them something great. You can give them so much good. And I pray right now, if they're ready for that, and hopefully they want that, they want the good, they want the perfect, they, they want the things, Lord, that you're gonna bring, that bring the real joy, that they'll open their hearts to you. So for people who've given in to things they shouldn't give in to, 
May they know that you love them, care for them. And God, you bring restoration. Right now, if you're ready to say yes to the Lord, I'm going to ask you to pray that prayer with me. Just say these words. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross for me. And you died for my sins. I pray you'll forgive me and cleanse me from all my sin. I pray you'll heal me from hurt and from pain. And say this, say, I pray you'll free me. You'll free me from anything or anyone that is holding me down or holding me back. But most of all, I pray you'll make me yours. I pray you'll make me alive. And I pray you'll make me brand new. So I say yes to you. And I say yes to the life you have for me. So take me now and make me yours. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen if you pray that prayer. Amen if you pray that prayer. And if you pray that prayer and you're online right now, Right now, go to CrossroadsChurch.Family and click I Said Yes to Jesus. But as you go today, may you go with God's hand upon you. May his spirit fill you. And may his joy, his joy be one of the great gifts he gives to you. God bless you and have a great day.